Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We've been going through the series, Blessed. Um, this is our second message for the series, and we're talking this whole month about the idea of obedience, the idea of just answering God's calling, and really just growing closer to God. And um, today, we're going to look at uh, the story of Jonah, and our title for today is, Can I Try Again? Can I Try Again? And I'm going to just go ahead and get started. And for those of y'all who don't know, Jonah is a very interesting character of the Bible. For me personally, I was not really raised in church. Um, I didn't know all the stories of the Bible. When I first started going to church, I had to read it myself. And there's so many times where it said, oh yeah, and that story, everyone knows that story. And I was like, nah. <laughs> and so what we like to do at Grape Top is go through the whole story for you, you know, and, and give you the highlights so that we can get a good grasp of what we're, what we're talking about. And so we're going to look at Jonah for a moment. In Jonah chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 17. So stay with me. I'm going to use my good reading voice. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So real quick, let's just kind of unpack what's going on here. When it says that God had judgment against Nineveh, I want you to understand what kind of wickedness it's really talking about in this nation. It wasn't just like, oh, they mess up or uh, they, they're, they're, uh, they struggle with their purity. No, these, this nation, when it came to pagan worship in these times, the, the way that they would worship was like child sacrifices. Uh, you're talking about uh, rape, incest, uh, orgies. It was pretty intense. It, just for the, the god Baal, what they would do is they, they had this metal statue with its arms straight out, and they would heat the statue up till it was red hot and lay newborn babies as a sacrifice as they would burn alive onto these statues' arms. So when you talk about wickedness and judgment against it, it wasn't that they just, you know, would, you know, they made mistakes. They were very blatant and 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 their and their violence and 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 uh, sexual crimes. And so it wasn't. It was a pretty big deal. So now, continuing on, we see that Jonah buys a ticket to run in the opposite direction of where God is calling him. And it says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate soldiers shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Real quick, let's kind of just look at that part where it says that he was sound asleep in this, inside the ship while this whole storm is going on around him. I feel like it is so prophetic. It's such a great analogy of what we behave like 
when we have all these self-destructive tendencies, when we're really going in the opposite direction of God and we create our own storms all around us to where our lives are in chaos, but we try to act like everything's okay. I remember when I was living like that so far in the opposite direction of God, my life was was so uh, so self-destructive, but I would just mask the the pain, I would mask the storm by just drinking. And I felt like, well, if I just drank or if I did drugs, it would it made me feel like I could sleep through the storm. But at the end of the day, that storm we bring into our own lives, it affects the people around us, our relationships with other people, and it is doing something so destructive in our lives and the ship that we're trying to sail through life, it is destroying it. And so it is so prophetic of how he's trying to, to ignore what is happening around him because he doesn't really want to face it. Now, continuing on, we're not even in the message yet, right? These are all just freebies, extra credit. It said, Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Real quick, they said, why did you do it? But Jonah never gives an answer. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sins, and don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Just a funny note, I know we're getting all these freebies in this message just from the script, this scripture, but people often portray deep concern for you when, when we're going through things. But at the end of the day, most people are not willing to sacrifice themselves in order to save you. They'll go to so far, but at the end of the day, if it comes to you or them, they're going to protect themselves. You know, and at the, the very last verse we read, Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. You know, this is where we pick up, and our first point is the opposite direction. And just as a, as a mention, honorable mention to this big fish, it doesn't say that it's a whale. It just says it's a big fish. And the other thing that I want to point out is that this is not just a, a fictional, never, uh, never going to happen, impossible scenario. I think it was uh, either 2008, 2002, forgive me for my dyslexia, but it uh, was uh, this century <laughs> where there was actually a scuba diver that was swallowed by a, 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 this, I think it was a sperm whale, while scuba diving, and they found the scuba diver days later 
and he was still alive. His suit was all deteriorated from the stomach acid. But the 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 fact that I want to point out is that this is not just a, a, a fairy tale story, but this similar situation happened just within the last two decades. And so uh, this is this is I really believe that the Bible is is so logical and that this is history being played out, not just made up stories. And so the going into our first point of the opposite direction, we often end up in these dark places when we choose to run away from God's calling. Let me say that again. We often end up in dark places when we choose to run away from God's calling. For Jonah, this dark place was in the, the belly of this fish. And this, this disobedience of his bred destruction all around him. Disobedience breeds destruction. And I want us to, to highlight this word disobedience. I feel like it sounds like a super spiritual word when it's really, I feel like the, the, the way it sounds gives it more emphasis than, than is needed. Disobedience is really more like a, just the simplicity of what Jonah's doing. He's just running away. He, he's, he's passively not answering the call God gave him. And it's not this just like uh, this, this dirty word, but it's simply just choosing a path that, that is different than what was given to us. And even, even, in this, uh, even though Jonah had deliberate decision of running away, there's also deliberate hesitation that we have, procrastination. The fact that even just him sleeping in the, uh, down in the ship, that was a form of, of procrastination, hesitation of not wanting to face what was outside the ship. This huge storm is going all around him, and he's, he's like, no, I'm not going to deal with it. No, I'm not going to face it. I'm going to just wait here and, and not deal with it. And this, this deliberate hesitation, procrastination is a form of running away. And our running away usually takes us into a dark place where we feel stuck and where we feel slowly drained. Think about what it was like inside this fish. It was, it's so, so much imagery, such a great analogy of the way that we run away in our lives because it often leads us to this place where we feel stuck, nothing good is happening, we, we, we ran in this direction instead of that direction, and we, we literally feel stuck in that our lives are just slowly draining. You're able to make it for so long. You can make it for two years, three years, but once you hit like four years, five years, you, you're, you no longer have the strength to keep, uh, to keep up living in this, this dark environment that you've been living in, and it's draining you. And, and what I want to emphasize too is that it says that, the, that God arranged for this great fish to swallow Jonah. What is amazing is that that great fish to swallow him was actually to save him. <laughs> um, if he if that fish didn't show up, he would have just drowned in the ocean, and that would have been it. But this dark place that he's at is actually is actually a merciful place that is that is like a a ledge before rock bottom, and it and it helps him to to realize that if he can't even handle this dark place, how is he really going to fall all the way to the depths of the sea to death? And the, the whole next chapter is just about him praying, saying, God, I'm never going to do it again. I'll go to where you tell me. Your, your mercies are so great. Help me. And I feel like uh, what, 
what we need to take from this part of the story is that Jonah literally paid to go in the opposite direction of God. And for some reason in our own lives, we feel like if we're just not perfect or we just feel like we're not good enough, that God no longer wants to use us. We have this idea, this huge insecurity that we were like these unusable vessels, that we're just this this stain on the earth that God wants to just obliterate. And he in um, the all the mistakes that we've piled up in our lives disqualify us from ever uh, not only being used by God, but even being loved by God. And when we see that this this fish swallowed Jonah up, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to realize that we are so much more important to our calling than we realize. Sometimes God will choose to not use anybody else but you. That you're that important that, I mean, look at the scenario. He's literally resisting. I feel like in churches where we're, we've been fed this idea that if you're not perfect or if you're not good enough, then God won't use you. I once heard this idea that we're all like keys and that we're, we're, we have this purpose to open a door, to start a car. We have this purpose to be used. But if we, if we reject that purpose, God can always make another key. And it's just not really the story for Jonah, is it? Because even as he's running away, God's saying, I am going to use you. Your calling is greater than your, your, uh, your hesitation. It's such a beautiful thing to realize that you're more important than you think. And look at this, what happens after this, these three days inside this big fish. It says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And then it's like in these moments that we decide to change, where there's like a heart change, where we have this change of direction in our hearts and our minds saying, No, I need to get back to God. And this like this epiphany, this revelation moment saying, man, what am I doing here? Ever since I got on this path, my life has been bad. I need to go back to church. I need to go back to God. And it's in these moments that we decide to change. It often feels quick and not very glorious. As in quick in the sense of the, the first Sunday you decide to go back to church, you feel that change. The, the, the first moment you decide to, to start going back to God, you notice a difference. But it's not usually very glorious. It's not like everything around us is like butterflies and rainbows. It literally feels, we still feel the burn of the stomach acid of how we were living. It's like we still have the, the hangover from, from the fish of that kind of life. But the difference is, you literally can feel the the difference all around you of being out in the open on the beach. That you can truly breathe again when you make the difference. Even though it's not very glorious. I mean, Jonah probably had some of his skin deteriorated from being in that fish. He was burning all over his skin. It, I mean, he smelled. I'm, I'm, think about just the smell. I mean... Uh, it probably stayed on his upper lip for days. I mean, he probably had PTSD about the smell of that fish inside of that stomach. And when he got spit out, n none of that smell just went away automatically. His skin didn't just stop burning all of a sudden. It was not a glorious moment, but it was a moment that he could breathe again. That's what it's like when we experience this true repentance in our heart. Unpack the word repentance. It just means to change direction. And 
Now let's look at what what happens in this story. It says in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. So he spent three days in the fish in his disobedience and his in his running away. And now he spent three days walking through the city in this this journey of obedience, of answering the calling. Both take the took the same amount of time, but don't, both had completely different results. And I want to point out that your calling is more enduring than your youthful mistakes. Your calling is more enduring than your youthful mistakes. What happened right here? What was different in what God told Jonah to do the second time? Remember, Jonah didn't just make a mistake. He deliberately ran away from what God was telling him to do. Most of us are actually trying to do our best and we feel like we just mess up or we're not good enough. Jonah, on the other hand, literally ran in the opposite direction. And what, ha- what changed about his calling? Nothing. This, this dude literally had uh, repented and God said, okay, now go and do what I told you to do. There's, what, hap- what we see is that uh, even though we often think we lose our calling once and for all, even just for one mistake, it is usually exactly where we left it to pick up again. God told Jonah the second time to do exactly what he told him to do the first time. He didn't, he didn't, God didn't take it away and say, oh no, you're not good enough now. I'm not going to trust you with this. He literally had so much grace and compassion that he told Jonah that the same calling that you left behind is still here for you to pick back up. So often we view God in this calling and whatever you want to look at as this tightrope balancing act where if you just make one mistake, you fall off and you have to start all the way back over. You can't just pick up where you left off. And it's just not the way the Bible shows it in Scripture. Every All these different people of the Bible made tons of mistakes, bigger mistakes than we've made. And, and yet their calling was almost exactly where they left it. Look at David. Most of the, the big bad mistakes that he made was after... Uh, he was after like later on when he was doing really, really good, when he was already answering his calling. And some of the worst mistakes he made was, was after he came close to God. And yet he was still able to fulfill his calling. When you look at Peter, he made mistakes before the cross, right before the cross and denying Jesus. And he made mistakes after the resurrection, after Pentecost. It, there's there's so many people we could look at and see that everybody makes mistakes, but God didn't just rip away their calling. He didn't rip away their love, his love for them. It is so much more enduring than our mistakes. And and this idea about um, this idea that we have when it comes to answering that calling or even just like going to God. We often assume negative and short-sighted outcomes without really knowing the future. Even so many people at the thought of actually getting close to God, they think, oh man, there's no way I could, I could become a Christian or there's no way I could start going to church because then I'll never have any fun. Well, how do you know that? What do you, you don't even know what it's like to be a, a true spiritual Christian. How do you know it's not fun? You know, we, we assume really these just these short-sighted outcomes that, 
that we have no evidence of. And then you, when you think about your calling, say God tells you to do something really intimidating. You think, man, I, well, I don't want to do that. I mean, no one's going to believe me. No one's going to listen. If I do that, my whole uh, everything's going to mess up. I'll mess it up. I, I'll fail. And we assume the negative without really knowing the future. And we have a, a val- an aspirational value at Grave Top, and we believe that never assume a result without adding the power of God to it first. You know, God's power moving with our actions of obedience causes the world to be changed. When you look at the people of the Bible, it wasn't that they were exceptionally great. It was that they were willing to trust God even when they felt so insecure. They were willing to trust God even though they knew their own mistakes and deficiencies more than anybody else. And they're saying, well, God, if you really want me to do this, I trust you. And so I'm going to do it. And it's those people that were willing to be available that God gave the ability to do great and amazing things. And the world was changed as an outcome. Let's look at what happens in the city of Nineveh. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 4 through 9, it says, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne. And he took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even animals, from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. <laughs> Dude, this, this part of the story always makes me laugh because it is, it's like the result of Jonah just being obedient was so much greater than anyone could expect. Not only do, do the people in the, the city repent, but even the king is so humbled that he gets down from his throne just like an ordinary citizen. In that time, kings were very pompous, and you, a king would never, they wouldn't even allow someone in burlap to go before the king, let alone the king dress in burlap. And not only does it just the regular civilians, people repent and have this huge uh, uh, act of remorse and, and repentance, the king does it. And just for like extra credit, all the animals too. <laughs> I don't even know if there's any scripture where God ever tell, tells us to make animals fast. But it's like, it shows how even in our ignorance, and we're just trying to please God, if we're just trying to get closer to God, it doesn't really matter what we do as long as we're just running in that direction. And look what happens. It says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop To their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Dude, look at this amazing result. This whole city, it says that this city was about 120,000. 120,000 people saved from this destruction that was coming because Jonah decided to actually answer his calling. It is such a, it shows us of why God thought it was so necessary for Jonah to answer his calling. There's moments where we have just 
free blatant will. We have blatantly free will to where we don't have to answer callings. It, but even then, sometimes it leads us to those dark places that we know it, it just we're in this bad place. And if we just go to God, it'll be different. But there's sometimes where our calling is exceptionally great and that God has us to do something very exceptional to where he's, he's literally moving things around to make things work out for us to be able to answer that calling. And, you know, it, what it shows me is that it's never too late to turn to God and to try to make things right. For Jonah, it was never too late. It was not too late, even when he was on the boat. It's one thing is like, well, if he buys that ticket, then it's too late. Well, if he steps foot on that boat, then it's too late. Well, if he, if he leaves the dock, it's going to be too late. Dude, this boy was literally out to sea, okay? You don't just turn around. And those kinds of boats, you're talking about old, not even old school. You're talking about like, like just with that, without the kind of technology that is today, to just turn around a boat that's not feasible. They literally had to plan the winds and the and plan the 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 tides and everything just to get started, let alone to try to just turn back. It wasn't real. And so the fact that he was literally far out to where it's like seeing there was no return. It's already too late, Jonah. That's why the only option was to throw him overboard. And even in that moment, it wasn't too late. And God was able to use Jonah even then. And even with these people of Nineveh, I mean, think about the decades of, of evil that they were storing up. Notice that the king didn't say, guys, we need to stop talking bad about our, each other. We need to stop all the gossip and be nice to each other. He says, stop your violence. <laughs> I mean, this city was jacked up. He, the first thing he says is stop your violence. I mean, this was, this city was just abhorrent with sin and wickedness. And, and it says that in the matter of the, it's like, it's almost like all these decades of wickedness has been stored up. And in a, it seems like a weekend of fasting and repentance that God changes his heart and says, all right, I, I see your, your authenticity. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to bring this destruction to you. It shows that from Jonah to these people, it's never too late. And that when we have this change of direction, that's truly what repentance is. I believe that repentance is so much less spiritual than the way we make it seem in church. I mean, when you look at people just yelling at, uh, through the microphone on the street corner saying, repent, you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's just, it doesn't really hit or resonate of the way the Bible teaches it. Repentance literally means to change direction. It's a lifestyle of just trying to follow after God. I don't feel like it's as much as a don't do this, don't do that, but more so just like walking in this direction. And is this, is this thing or that thing going to weigh me down or is it going to help me to grow closer to God? That's what I see it as. And through all of this process, I think the biggest thing to take away from this is that God is willing to work with a soft heart and can do great and wonderful things with it. God is willing to work with a softened heart. I believe that the imagery the Bible gives is so beautiful. It often references us as clay and that when our hearts are hard, God won't, God won't use us. You can't mold clay that is already baked. But it says when, our, when we're soft, moldable clay, that those are the moments that God will use us. And I really believe that God is calling us, even at the end of this year, this year, God is calling us to soften our hearts. 
because there's a molding that needs to happen. And I want you to ask yourself, God, what is it that I need to change directions in? What is it that I need my heart softened in? And and I really believe that that God is telling you today that it's not too late. It's not too late to have a change of direction. It's not too late to do what God had called you to do. And I want to end with this last thought. And it's it's the end of the story. And I, I want to end with this thought. And it's, is it right? And people allow emotional excuses to become wedges between them and God. Remember, this whole thing is about having a, these second chances, having these these uh, second opportunities, even though we've run away, being able to try again. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, it says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That it, That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying these people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. See, what we just saw here, remember, Jonah didn't tell the other sailors why he didn't want to do it. And what we find is that he had this huge emotional reason, this huge emotional excuse of why he didn't want to actually answer his calling. And I feel like when we read this, we can see how silly it is. He's like, I knew you were a compassionate and merciful God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love, you, you monster, you tyrant. <laughs> like, we, we can see how this is a ridiculous thing that Jonah is, is making. But I believe it's only because we're not feeling what he's feeling. If you notice that when we are in our feels, we make the dumbest decisions that's why I'm saying people allow emotional excuses to become wedges between them and God. In fact, we make emotional excuses to become wedges between us and our spouse, between us and our parents, between us and anybody else. We allow emotional excuses to stop us. Think about it. The, if, especially if you've, if you've been married, if you're married now, some of the biggest fights that, that married couples get into is, is not because it was something that's never happened before, but it, it's because one person was feeling exceptionally emotional that day. I'll give an example. Me and my wife are a perfect couple, and we never get into fights ever, right? Of course, I'm being sarcastic, but my, me and my wife, we could have a normal interaction to where, say she says something, a comment jokingly, or uh, says a comment in a way that I could perceive as being um, a, a slap to me. But if, uh, but say I, in my logical sense, it, where I'm not feeling emotional or sensitive, I can determine and use my judgment to say, oh, she didn't mean it like that, and just brush it off. But now, let's say I'm hungry that day. Let's say I'm exceptionally tired. I feel cranky. And then, because my emotions are all heightened and I'm all grumpy, and, and I'm in my feels, and she says the same exact thing that she may have said another day, this day I say, well, what do you mean by that? And I can let that emotional reasoning ruin our entire day. 
If I really wanted to get in my feels about it, I can make the whole week bad. And if I wanted to make it just insane, crazy in my feels, get so caught up in my anger and my emotions, and and I can make that whole marriage destroyed because I'm making these emotional excuses of, well, she said this and it, I didn't like that. It hurt my feelings. And I think it's so funny that we often destroy the relationships around us because of this kind of emotional reasoning. And there are emotional excuses to not behave the way we, we really ought to. And for Jonah, look what God says to him. It says, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Is it right for you to be angry about this? I believe that this unspoken emotional reasoning leads to simple justification of self. Even when we're running away from God, even when it when it's fights with our spouses or grudges that we hold against our parents, it's this unspoken emotional reasoning that we justify ourselves. And it's out of pure emotion that we justify ourselves for not needing to feeling the need to ever come out of the boat when the storm is raging all around us. To not talk to the people God has told us to talk to because we're still using that emotional justification of why we don't have to. And these hidden reasons of disobedience, these hidden reasons of running away are in our hearts and they're usually selfish and just overly emotional. I want you to think about even when it comes to relationships with our parents, I feel like the things I used to hold against my parents, so many things I used to hold against my parents, now that I'm a parent, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> like, And I feel like that, that the way that church has been today, is, churches have tried way too hard to become another version of counseling, and, and it's just not very healthy. So often a, a, a church retreat is just going for a weekend with just church and just bringing up all of your childhood junk and making you believe that it was trauma that needs forgiveness. It's like your, your dad could have just said, hey, get down from that couch when you're two and you go to that retreat or you go to a counseling session and it turns into, yeah, when your dad told you that, that that's what turned it, you into never achieving your goals because you feel like he's going to just tell you to get down from there again and not let, allow yourself to, to spread your wings and fly. Like some crazy stuff. And we, about, we allow these simple things to become so overly emotional to where we hold grudges against family members, against our spouses for things that weren't really a big deal. The Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitful. And just like Jonah is obviously deceived by his emotions right now, we can see as a third perspective, man, you're acting crazy. Yet we act so super duper crazy when we're in our feels. And when examining your own heart, let's make it personal. I want you to think about what it is that you're holding against God or against your spouse, against others, whatever it is that, that you feel brought up in this moment. And ask yourself this very thing that God is asking Jonah, is it truly right for you to feel the way you do about it? Is it truly right for you to feel the way you do about it? And with that being said, I want you to take a moment to pray 
And I want you to ask God, just simply examine my heart, Jesus. Holy Spirit, soften my heart. Help me to be willing to, to see whatever it is inside my heart that it needs dealing with. Because I want you to be able to mold me into to whatever calling you have for me. I, I strongly believe that the closer we get to God, the more we step into His the, the true identity He made for us, the true personality He created for us. Think about this. So often we think that we lose our we we're not going to be able to be us anymore if we follow after God. You know, well, then I will I'll, I'll just become another clone, another Christian, and it's so not true. God God created you, and He created you so unique. If you think that God is is not creative, dude, you you really have a misconception about Him. Church churches, our American church churchianity, can be very limited on creativity. We, we we can be limited in our great ideas, but God created everything. I I would have never even been able to imagine what magenta looks like unless God had created it first. Think about. There's, what, millions and millions of different species, and God created each of these. So different, so unique. God is so personable and creative. Think about how different each human being looks. God created them. Now, when you look at the inside of people, their aspirations, their dreams, their personalities, we can all be so very different. God created those differences. He's not calling you to be like anybody else. He's calling you to be like you. And so this idea about finding yourself in Christ, don't let it just turn into another emotional excuse of why you can't grow closer to God. But examine your heart and just ask God, what is it that you're trying to speak to me today? And if you're listening to this and you feel like God is just really calling you to start this relationship with Jesus to make a change on your journey and your direction and to get out of this dark place you've been in and start walking with God, to start walking with Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Romans, it's so incredibly simple. All it takes is a prayer, which is really just a conversation. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, then surely you shall be saved. What you're doing is you're just affirming, God, I believe you. I, I really do believe you and I trust you. Jesus, I know that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And I want to walk with you in the right direction. And so help me. Make a prayer like that. Say it aloud. Say it to yourself. But just be authentic about it. And that's all it takes. And if you make that prayer today, would you please message us and let us know? We want to connect with you. It is Life is already hard enough. Why walk, walk from this moment forward alone? I mean, this is a, an incredible opportunity to really be able to get connected with a community of people just like you, just trying to do their best and forget the rest. All of us make mistakes. No one's perfect. We're all just trying. And so many of us have made mistakes even after trying like you have right now. And we're just simply trying again. We're doing our best and forgetting the rest. And so please, we'd love to walk with you on your journey. Um, I hope that this message was, was edifying to you today. And even as, we, as you're listening through it, whether it's through the podcast, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, I pray that, that 
you experience God's presence. That's what me and Lauren pray for, for you guys during the week is that you simply would experience God. That's our heart's desires. And I pray that this message brought you closer in some way today. With that being said, we love you so much. I hope, uh, I hope that you have a great rest of your, your evening. Um, even t- take a moment to talk about this message with somebody that you live with, whether it's your spouse, family members, and, and just share some things that, that maybe God is speaking to you about it. But if you have it on your hearts to give today, we want you to know that you make a difference at Grave Top Church through your giving. Your generosity is literally what helps us and co- uh, provides for a way to us to fulfill this vision of creating a community and connection through Grave Top Church. And with that being said, I also want you to know that we never want to pressure or persuade anybody to give. When It is something so personal between you and God. It is not my job or my duty as a pastor to try to sell you on giving. That, that is a personal act of worship and it is so much better to do it out of an authentic heart where it's just between you and God and the Holy Spirit. Our job as a church is simply to be a steward of, what, of whatever it is that you entrust to God and for us to be a good steward of how to handle that. And we pray that we'd be, be, able, uh, be stewards that, that are trustworthy for you. And if you trust us with that, we are so grateful. But again, we want you to know that is between you and the Holy Spirit. And it is such an amazing act of worship. And it shouldn't be done, or done out of a, a selling technique, but something that's just happening between you and God right now. Um, and so if you, if you do that, you can go to gravetop.com, click the Give tab. You can give online through there. Or you can even give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. Again, we're so grateful for those of you who are generous and that help in supporting this ministry. Um, I hope that you have a great rest of your evening. Uh, we love you. Good night. God bless. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.